Did I want to start ADP Plays? Actually, I didn't want to start ADP Plays. Uh, honestly, um, it was a side project. <laughs> really, it was a side project that I just wanted to do to help people during COVID nineteen. Um, but it seems like the world needed something like that. It seems like people needed a resource like that, and and it only felt right that I I do it because I think I felt like I have the heart to go and do it. I've never thought of it as a non profit. I've never thought of it as for profit. All along, I thought of it as I just want to build something that people want. And people will find it useful. Um, for us, you know, uh, the key today here is to really, uh, you know, try to touch as many lives as possible, whether it be or not uh, from Southeast Asia, whether it be not, not from India or from the US, uh, from North America. I think uh, the key is for us to continue touching more lives and having more knowledge exchange. I'm here to actually do this with you, and also most importantly, I'm here to actually listen to you and work on this mission together. Hi. Welcome to Your Grit Story Podcast. I'm your host Eric, and I'm a product guy in tech. In this podcast, I chat with founders and change makers to discover their passion to solve hard and meaningful problems. Mentorship is something close to my heart. Having received mentorship in the past five to ten years, I am now paying it forward to mentor others on this mentorship platform. In this episode, I'm going to chat with Felix Lee, co-founder of ADP List, a mentorship platform, to find out his journey. Of starting this community of mentors and mentees, something that is really impressive is that Felix is only 24, and he has already exited from a startup when he was 20. ADP List was only launched in 2020, about a year ago, and he has grown massively to more than 4,000 mentors from 70 countries, meeting and sharing their experience with over 20,000 mentees. Stay with us to the end as he shares with us his tips of starting up. And what he thinks the future of mentorship is. Without further ado, this is Felix Lee sharing his quick story while you discover yours. Hi, welcome to another episode of Your Quick Story.、Um, today, I'm very excited to have our guest, Felix. CEO and co-founder of ADP List. Hi, Felix. Welcome to the show. Hey, Eric. Super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I am actually more excited than you.、Uh, I'm very honored to have you in, on our show.、Um, just a personal sharing.、Uh, I am a mentor on ADP List,、uh, and I've been mentoring、uh, quite frequently, regularly, and connecting with mentees. So, thanks to you, there's this platform for us to connect to mentees. No, thank you so much for being a part of it. It's it's really my 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 pleasure. I'm very grateful for for you for being a part of this community. Awesome, awesome.、Uh, maybe just for people who、uh, haven't know you yet, right?、Uh, maybe you can do a quick introduction for audience out here. Sounds good. Yeah.、Um, so my name is Felix, currently based in Singapore.、Uh, I'm the co-founder and CEO at ADP List, and our mission is to democratize mentorship. So we work with the fundamental belief that everyone around the world, regardless of how rich or poor or how well connected or unconnected you are,、um, you can get access to you know social knowledge and and you know uh, uh, resources uh, globally through mentorship. Uh, we we look at mentorship almost like the internet access for education,、uh, because it, you know、uh, mentorship is a very open network access. You know it's free,、uh, it's for everyone, and everyone can get on board as long as you want to contribute or you want to learn from someone. And so that's that's kind of like our our working principle, right? And but but beyond all of that, you know our, our core vision at the end of the day is to really、uh, help those you know、uh, people that are around the world to get the kind of knowledge that they need,、um, so that you know we can all like upskill ourselves、uh, regardless of our career level. Yeah. So、uh, that's that's what I'm doing today. Nice, nice, nice. Um, uh, interestingly, I I last two weeks I met a mentee from France. 
and another one from Spain. So it's really wow. global, right? Uh, it's very, interesting. Very global, yeah. very global. And one of them is it's a, it's a designer and the other one is a, it's a aspiring product manager. Very wow. interesting. Yeah. Um, could you share your journey with us? Um, you know, just you know, bring us back into like five years ago or something like that. Um, and, and you know, bring us through your journey. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I am actually 24 this year. Uh, I haven't been to college or university. I don't think that I'll be going, honestly. Uh, so I'll just start with my, my, my story, uh, how everything began. Uh, you know, I, growing up, I was a very curious kid. You know, I, I was a very curious kid, but I also very entrepreneurial uh, because of my parents' upbringing. Uh, I've always been taught, you know, uh, if you want to do something, you do it to your best and also you have to do it yourself like, in a way, right? Um, now, one thing, one thing that was that growing up, my dad would actually bring me to his bakery. So he has this very small bakery that he, that he uh, works with my grandparents. Um, and he would ask me to, you know, like go and help to sell some bread, go and help to sell some things. Um, I think that was the upbringing that really molded me to who I am today. Because, you know, when you're young and you go through that sort of experience, right? And to be honest, not many people go through that experience. And I was very honored uh, and very grateful for that because, you know, uh, that experience has really taught me about being very shameless, right? You want to sell something, you got to go out there, you know, you got to ask people what they want, you got to sell them, and you got to talk to them. And I was probably like, you know, six years old, probably seven, right? right? Like probably one, probably two, those kind of age, and, and you know, up, up to probably six as well, I was there. Um, and it really taught me a lot. And I, I think, you know, there was once like one of the poly lecturers asked me, said, hey, what makes you to be like that, right? Like what makes you curious? What makes you want to go out there and do all this kind of thing? And I think it's, uh, and he asked me like, how do, how do we actually, in the education system replicate someone like that or a behavior like that. To be honest, you can't, right? Because these are things where, you know, it's like a sub, someone's upbringing. It's, it's, it's like their, 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 their childhood, right? So it's honestly something that I, I, I'm very fortunate to, to be a, a part of. Uh, obviously, you know, my, my dad has been such a huge inspiration for me personally, you know, uh, wake up early in the morning, you know, come back very late at night, work, those kind of things. Um, so yeah, and, and I started my, so fast forward, you know, I started my first company, um, second year of poly. Um, Back then, actually, I was I was uh, quite a quite a good student, uh, To be honest, I was a I was actually a, a scholar in school. I was actually a scholar, and then I was also uh, part of the the Singapore national team for rollerblading. So I was I was, I was a, a a professional uh, sports person as well. Now, obviously, you know, like like uh, very good profile in studies, very good profile in sports. But I decided that you know it wasn't something that I really wanted to do for the long term. And I thought that you know uh, one of the quotes that I live by, you know, it was like Steve Jobs was that. If today were the last day of your life, would you want to do what you're about to do? And I think it, it struck me, right? I was actually listening to his like to his speech uh, in one of the math class, and I'm like, actually, if today is the last day of my life, I don't think I want to sit here and listen to this class because you know, like, it's not gonna it's not gonna change the world. It's not gonna help someone. It's not gonna do anything at all. And I was very impatient. I was like, look, if today is really the last day of my life, I want to skip to the part where I'm actually doing something for people and it's useful, right? Like creating the next iPhone or something. And, and that was when I decided that, okay, I'm going to go out there and learn myself. Because if school is not going to teach me something fast enough, or school is not going to like progress to where I want to be, then I'm going to take things to my own hand, right? So that was when I you know, had to drop my scholarship. I, I decided to go out there, start my first company. And obviously, one thing that people don't see a lot uh, on my LinkedIn and, and, and my public profile is that you know, I started like those companies and it didn't really work out the, the, the first few times. And uh, eventually, I started this company with my brother called Packdad. It's a travel company. Uh, I think by then I was already like end of year two or something. And I decided to work on it for, for a year and a half, right? Uh, and then I came to year three. Now, by the end of year three, the final year, um, of my poly, you know, finishing year three, uh, by the end of two years, I actually sold that company, right? Obviously, it was a quiet, uh, um, you know, 
it wasn't such a high price, but at that age, you know, at, at the age of 20, you know, that was my first like sort of like break and uh, uh, breakthrough. And personally, you know, I, it wasn't really about that, that material that, that I received at the end of the day, but it was a lot about that journey that has brought me to where I am today. Right. And I felt like, you know, uh, I, I really wanted to like, sort of like pay tribute to these people who have done that amazing stuff for me. Right. And so I think uh, I continue to like pay it forward as well for, uh, in that sense to advise people. Uh, and then, you know, after this, I flew to Silicon Valley. Right? So I fly there alone. Um, after that, because, you know, my, like coming from a very humble family, actually, like in Singapore, going to the US is quite expensive, right? Like, especially San Francisco. And so I didn't have the, my, my family, none of us has actually been to the US. And so personally for me, uh, you know, after the company was acquired, I had some, some money, uh, you know, and I decided that why not spend this money to, you know, go and go somewhere where I really want to learn from. So I actually take that and actually I booked a flight to San Francisco for one and a half months and I stayed there alone. Uh, I stayed in like the, like, like the most, you know, like the most ransacked uh, hostel kind of thing. Like, I was, I was in a very, yeah, like no one saw those hostels by the way. Like I, I took very nice photos so where, where I was staying. So I wanted to highlight that. I was actually staying not in a good hotel. I was staying in like a very small hostel and I was sharing a small room. Can you imagine? I was sharing a small room, right, with two other roommates. And they are very good friends today. Uh, one of them is from Russia. One of them is from uh, Austria. And both of them are girls, right? And they are like my sisters today. Like amazing, amazing people. And I sh- and actually shared a room with two of them. And one of the things, right, the moment I went there, one of the things that I learned was that everyone there was very hungry for something. And it's not that they are like a local hungry for something. They are like internationally coming here. And so my roommates, uh, Anna and, and Katie, actually they were there for their internship. Right, and they actually have to fight their way from their country all the way here for internship because it's very competitive as well. Right, and they come here, and I learned a lot from them. And throughout my one and a half months there, I was deeply inspired by the way that people perceive the world there. Right, like if you want to build something, you have to build something for the world. Right, which is why today actually it's not surprising you see a lot of global companies coming out from Silicon Valley, right, and not from like other countries or or other places because there's something about this place that makes it so universal. Right, the people there are always so ahead and they really want to do something. And also inspired by that, I came back to Singapore, sadly or you know whatever, and I came back, and I had to serve the I had to serve the army. So can you imagine like after all these things happened, I had to come back and serve the army. I was like, oh god, I really don't, don't want to come back and serve the army. But the two years in the army, uh, I think if there's anything I take away from that, right, is that if you are different in a sense, if you are already different in a sense, uh, don't try to fit in, embrace that difference, right? Um, because in the army, honestly, I was like pretty much like. I was very alone in, in, uh, in many different cases, right? I, I went through SCS, I went through leadership school and stuff like that. But throughout all these things, I was very alone, uh, to be honest, because I, I always had this very different mindset that I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to be in army forever, like, for two years or what. I'm only going to be here for two years. So my commitment and my heart is still with what I did, right, and, and what I've done. And so obviously I did that. And then, uh, you know, when I came out of the army, I actually signed a full-time job with GoTrade as, as, as their first... Um, uh, design lead and, and, and I led their whole entire um, you know, uh, design and doing very well. And thereafter, you know, I left that job and I started ADP list. Um, did I want to start ADP list? Actually, I didn't want to start ADP list. Uh, honestly, um, it was a side project, really. It was a side project that I just wanted to do to help people during COVID-19. Um, but it seems like the world needed something like that. It seems like people needed a resource like that. And and it only felt right that I, I do it because I think... I felt like I have the heart to go and do it. I felt like I, I, I wanted to, um, I wanted kids that were in my position when I was younger uh, to get the resource and to get the kind of like perspective from mentors that, that I had. 
uh, you know, uh, I, uh, you know, that I wish I had, you know. So that's why I started AEP. So that, that this whole entire journey takes about like five to six years. Um, mm. but I started like pretty young, so I'm like really, really grateful for that. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, speaking of ADP list, uh, was it a, um, you know, non-profit to start with? Uh, and and how how did you kind of transit to what it is today? Yeah. So I think uh we started off with a very a very simple spreadsheet, right? Mm. So I. Because I don't know how to code, right? So my my only thinking was I want to solve a problem, and the problem back then was people were looking for jobs and people were losing jobs, right? Now and obviously like people were losing the hope as well. The hope part is very important. I was like, I don't know how to code, so how can I actually help others? So I actually created this Excel sheet, right? Spreadsheet, public spreadsheet where you can put your names inside if you are finding for jobs, and then if you are also looking to help someone out, whether be it provide with them like some. Uh, mentorship support and stuff like that. You can also put your name there, and someone can reach out to you. Now, I saw that the the part about the mentorship part was actually more popular, uh, and then eventually it went viral, and a lot of people just joined in. I was like, actually, there's something to, to to develop on. And then we just built a website, and then my co-founder James came in, and then we built a website for it. Now, throughout this whole phase, right, of like from an Excel sheet to a first version of website, um, I've never thought of it as a non-profit. I've never thought of it as a for-profit. All along, I thought of it as I just want to build something that people want, and people will find it useful. Like, like I have never thought of it as an organization, to be frank. And and probably you know, like this is something that I keep very close to my heart, and I don't really share it publicly. But I've never really put anywhere on my LinkedIn that I'm a CEO of ADP List or that or that ADP List is a company. Like, I would never really say that publicly. I would never really say that like. Like you know, like um, to the mass public. Now, now the reason for that is because like, I, I I didn't start this off as someone who wants to make like millions of dollars or whatever. So for me, it just like does not feel right to put a corporate term inside this whole thing because I feel like the world owns this. Like I'm I might be the founder of ADP, but I feel like every single mentor owns this platform to themselves, and I am just the person who is there to make sure that this exists and this this thing is continue running. So, in my mind, there wasn't a point where it was non-profit or profit. But obviously, there came a point where we asked ourselves, "How do we keep it sustainable, right? Because it, it, this thing can't run forever with, with, without money, right? And now we think like, okay, we want to scale the team, we want to scale, we want to scale. Most importantly, the impact of this thing, right? Now, when you want to scale the impact of this thing, you need money to do it. You need a team. And so that was when we went out there, talked to some investors, and then we you know, started to raise some funds, uh, you know, from search and some of the founders, uh, some of the uh, uh, you know people here in Southeast Asia. Uh, and that was when we, we decided to become a startup. Um, but I think that um, the, the, the core thing that I always talk about is like profiting with purpose, right? I think, um, you know, like it, one thing that I, I learned about and, and, and actually Siri from Carousel uh, shared with me this, is about, you know, um, is this quote that Disney shared, you know? So Disney once said this, he said like, it, it goes like that, we don't make movies to make money, all right? We make money so that we can make more movies. Right, because the end goal for Disney is to make more movies, so the money is only just a medium for that to happen. And I think for the same, the, the same relates to us as well. Like we don't want to make money just for the sake of making money. We want to make money so that we can make more impact. We can make mentorship even more accessible for people who we have not yet touched their lives, right? And I think that's has always been the fundamental purpose, uh, for us. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. I mean, I can second to that, right? Kind of, you know, uh, where the mentors kind of own. In a way, it's a co-ownership of ADP list rather than a founder or founding team. It's really each and every mentor in the system 
uh, in the ecosystem uh, have an ownership because we all manage our bookings with the mentees and we kind of uh, roll together uh, with ADP list. Um, and, and it's really uh, remarkable, right? That, uh, I mean, I know we are 24 years old, really, really, really young, relatively young. <laughs> and and uh, ADP list kind of started... Um... <laughs> so, so um, I mean, it... <laughs> And it really started in um in twenty twenty last year and, and within within a year you guys have grown to a uh system of three thousand over mentors, right? And more than seventy countries, uh and over twenty over thousand mentees. So so how did that growth trajectory happen, right? You know, how, like it did it like it's is it a linear one or or you know, how did it go? One of the things that, that you know we sort of like saw that was that it, there there was this very organic sort of like love for the product and for the community. Like people were sharing their stories uh, of them learning with each other. They were also sharing their their stories of like them being a mentor and them being a mentee. And it was just extremely heartwarming because if you think about it, if you learn from someone, whether it be a mentee or a mentor, like, you know, sometimes you want to share it on social media and you tell people that, hey, this is, I met someone amazing like Eric and I want to share that learning with others as well. Right? This is why I've learned. Like if today I met like Mark Zuckerberg or something, I would probably want to write about a post about me meeting him uh, of what I've learned from uh, from my 30 minutes conversation with him, right? And and it's this very organic sense of like community and giving back, right? That kept us like growing pretty much globally, right? Um, and a lot of people has actually asked me, you know, uh, through the past week, actually this week, I met over like 20 investors and uh, 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 there, there was one very common question, right? The, que- the common question is, how in the world did you get so many mentors from such good companies, right? Good companies like Property Guru, where you're from, like Facebook and whatever. Like, how in the world did you get so many people to join you and mentor for free? That was the big question. And I'll tell you that, and I'll tell you that this is something that's very intangible, right? Very intangible. Um, because there are some people that, 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 that join us for many different reasons, right? Um, and then the investors will ask as well. The other question they ask as well is like, because other platforms are paying the mentors or like the mentors are like asking for money or whatever, $300, $500. But my question back to them and everyone is that, you know, think about it, right? If that happens, if that transaction happens, right? Like that, those platforms will probably be popular right now. Like there's a reason why like paid mentorship just doesn't work out, right? It's not actually mentors doesn't want to be like paid compensated like heavily. Mentors only want one thing. Actually, two. They want to do it flexibly. Basically, means if I'm free, I do it. I want that control. I want that ownership. That's that's what they want, right? Second thing is that they want to see that person grow. Uh, the person grow, right? But the first one is the most important one. I just want my flexibility, so I'm willing to do it for free. But as on the condition that I can do it for myself and where as and when I want. So, which is why at AEPs we provide a whole end-to-end system for people to actually control their flexibility because we understand that fact, right? And I think that's the first reason, right? It's a more tangible, technical reason. Now, the second reason that people do this and grow this fast as well globally is, you know, like, because people feel a very deep sense of, like, mission and community, right? I want to belong to somewhere where I can share my knowledge or I want to belong to somewhere where I can, you know, be a part of this network and continue learning as well. And I I think we provide that safe space for that to happen and we continue to do so. Uh, In fact... Uh, all the mentors are that have applied, you know, are vetted through. So we scan through their profile, their LinkedIn, uh, and only the the, the the acceptance rate is 
about 35%. We want to make sure that everything is quality here. Uh, but the growth itself has been phenomenal around the world uh, and still continue to grow uh, very fast. And I think um, for us, you know, uh, the key today here is to really, uh, you know, try to touch as many lives as possible, whether it be or not uh, from Southeast Asia, whether it be or not from India or from the US, uh, from North America. I think um, the key here is for us to continue touching more lives and having more knowledge exchange. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Felice, for, for that. Uh, it's very uh, inspiring to hear that. Uh, and I, I feel that you're at a level where you can empathize the, the users, which is the mentors and mentees, uh, really did. Uh, because what you just shared in the past, you know, two minutes or so, it's really what uh, my heart is speaking, right? In terms of what, what I'm seeking as a mentor, right? You know, to, to help others, right? To be yeah. flexible, right? To see the mentees grow, right? <laughs> so so that that really is, is um, you know, I'll I really, you know, comment on that, right? <laughs> um and and let, let's talk about product market fit, right? Uh, and and do you see ADP lists, um, you know, fitting to the market, right? In terms of the mentorship, how did they pivot, right, to the past six months or so? Yeah, you know, today we have achieved like incredible, um, you know, market fit and growth. I think that people talk about us, people love us. Uh, we have an extremely high MPS score of eighty six. Um, you know, people just absolutely love like being a part of this community. Now, I think the the way to find product market fit, right? Um, it's, it's really something that I, I, I can say, but I think when you do it, it's much more uh, than just saying it. Um, it's actually about talking to your users and making sure that you are very close with them. Now, believe it or not, I think Eric, you, you, because you probably have experienced this as a mentor. Um, when you first join as a mentor, when anyone first get accepted as a mentor, mm. I would actually personally send all of you a LinkedIn message and let you yes. know that you have been accepted, right? And so... I don't do that just for you, Eric. I do that for every single mentor that has been accepted on ADP list. Or at least I try to do that for every single one. I, I, I'm pretty sure I cover like 98% of, of people. Um, and, and, and the reason why I do that is because I want them to know that I'm here to actually do this with you. And also, most importantly, I'm here to actually listen to you and work on this mission together. Because to me, mentors and mentees are not a user of the platform. I never call them a user. Like, I also let my team know that we, we will never call these people users. Like, we call them our partners. We call them like our, our mentors. We call them like our friends, right? Because the, 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 the one reason is this is because they are, they are on this mission with us, right? They are on this mission with us. They are not like here just to be like part of Facebook or whatever, right? They are on this mission with us. Like, we don't want to be the next like company that is just like, oh, just grow users and users. We want to grow champions. We want to grow and make sure that people believe in this thing that, 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 that we're fundamentally doing. So I connect with all the mentors. Um, and on the mentee side, I actually send everyone an email as well, right? And when someone, someone I would send an email and say, hey, this is my personal email. If you have any issues, you can come directly to me. And obviously, I think I'm creating more, you know, like more emails for myself, right? Every morning, I wake up to a lot of emails. But that's fine, right? That's fine. Uh, that's fine by me. I take about an hour or so to clear those emails, to read, to reply some of them, uh, and to really understand where they're coming from, right? And ask them questions as well. I think as a founder, like maybe a very experienced founder would hire someone else to do that for them, right? Like those people that has like second time, third time founder or like they are already like, you know, well off or something, they'll do that and, and they'll do this for them. But I would never do that. I would never ever do that because if you want to solve a problem, right, you have to solve it with your heart. Right? Like this is something that I really believe. Right? You have to be very sincere about solving it. You know, I started being sincere about solving people's problems. And 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, I'm still going to be that person who is like day one, I'm still going to be sincere about something. They are not my users, they are our champions of the nation. And I think that's how important it is to actually 
think about finding product market fit is that you really have to get down to the ground and really be sincere and say cannot have that you know you can't have that capitalist mindset and say i'm here to make your make money out of you all of you money will come money will come if you're sincere about solving people's problems right and i'm not concerned about that i mean there are investors who ask me like hey you know monetization model and stuff like that but i always push back and i say i want to solve the people's problems we can talk about that maybe two years three years down the road yeah nice nice i mean i really love that um uh, that point of being sincere and solving a problem with your heart right uh because a lot of um you know startups really solve the problem with the brain right uh, but i think solving a problem with the heart and the brain together i think uh is very important right uh and, and if you solve the problem good enough right uh i mean the money will come later but i think that's not the main thing right the main thing is really solving the problem for um cheapest automation like what you mentioned right um Let's let's um let's talk about the team, right? Uh, and and growing the team, right? Just I mentioned, you have fifteen um people and and, and fifty with ambassadors. Um, are they located in Singapore, like where we are in this little island, or are they all across um the globe? Yeah, so uh, in Singapore, actually, quite embarrassingly to say that we only have uh two people from Singapore right now, which is uh me and one of me and the the, the CX lead. You know, the ops lead, uh, two of us are in Singapore, uh, but everyone else is located much pretty much around the world. So we have employees in India, we have employees in uh, North America, which is in US and Canada. Uh, we also have employees in Africa as well, where my co-founder is based at. Yeah, so it's very, very global and remote team. Right, right. And and how, how do you manage communications and, and collaboration in this kind of setup, right? I think uh, where everybody's everywhere. So I, so I think one thing that I learned as a leader, and I actually learned this from uh, a, a uh, one of uh, someone who I consider a great mentor to me personally, an advisor, which is Rajan from from Sequoia. Uh, so he used to manage uh, Google for the whole of APEC and, and India. So one of the things he, he he told me was that you know the best operational teams um, and performing teams actually have a very good uh, operational rhythm, and operational rhythm simply means like being very consistent. You know, like how you have a music right, like like a musical sheet. It's like very consistent. The, the music is very consistent. So. Basically, by creating a very consistent rhythm to your operations, uh, people are able to comfortably flow along with it. It's like you are creating a very good flow for them. And so, working is like working, you know, like remotely, right? You have to create a very strong cadence. Like, okay, weekly we are going to have this one meeting or two meetings on this. Uh, weekly we are going to have this very particular cadence. Now, it takes some time to find that rhythm. It does take some time to find that. But once you find that, stick with it, right? Once you find that, stick with it. So. For us, for Jason and myself and the rest of the team, we have been working on this even before we got funded. So all of us are working on this as volunteers first, even before this. Uh, you know, and, and we already like sort of like found our no, no natural rhythm and we already floating in it, right? Obviously now we optimize even more for more people and for more more speed. Um, but you know, we, we I, I think finding that rhythm that works for you is extremely, extremely important. Uh in in a remote world. Now the other part about that is asynchronous communication. Now I think a lot of people would fall into the trap of Okay, because it's remote, we gotta do a lot of meetings. Now, my meetings are mostly externals, um, so my meetings are mostly by partners and stuff like that these days. Uh, internal team meetings, I do only like I try to cut every meeting that I have one on ones into fifteen minutes or at most thirty minutes uh, to to save time on their side and my side. Uh, now, if there's things that do not need a meeting, uh, we either just do a quick hurdle, like you know, like spontaneous hurdle if necessary, or or you know, like basically they record a video. And then I, I would see it, I would view it, and then I would make my comments on the video. So they would record the Loom video and say, 
oh Felix, this is what happened this week, you know, and stuff like that. And then I will comment on that video. I might ask some questions. I might give some feedback and stuff like that. And so, even if they are in uh, the US time zone, uh, with that video, I'm able to actually make comments. Uh, and then they are, they are able to solve it and, and, and let me know immediately when they wake up or whatnot. And so I think, you know, like being a remote, full remote team, I think it's very important to not burn people out with meetings, but actually uh, understand the rhythm and then understand a way to work asynchronously as well. Nice, nice. Uh, I, I, I love that uh, video part uh, where we're sending like snippets. I think that really solves that problem of a lot of meetings, right? Because uh, not everything needs to be synchronous, right? As you mentioned, right? Uh, it could be one of a quick chat or quick huddle on Slack, for example, right? I'm a big right. fan of huddles. Uh, quick five minutes, sort it out and, and go on, right? You know? Exactly. Um, yeah, uh, I would like to talk about, um, you know, meeting your co-founder, James. How do you yeah. meet your co-founder? So James and I actually never met in person, right? Um, and we actually met on LinkedIn. So we met on LinkedIn uh, when the spreadsheet got started and then James PM me and said, hey, you know, since you are doing this, you know, back then for designers only, uh, you know, the Excel sheet is not going to look good for designers. And I, and, I, and I said, of course, I agree, I agree, you know, I agree. But I said, but I said, you know, I don't have the time or the expertise to go and do the website because, uh, you know, back then I was like, you know, I'm done. And I said, I'd rather just leave it as it is, right? Because, you know, like I say, I'm here to help people. I'm not here to build the next company or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and then James was like, why not I help you to do it? I help you to build it. And back then, you know, James, James he's a freelance no-code developer. And by the way, he is he is uh, appointed by Webflow themselves as one of the world's best no-code developer, right? And so he's a freelance, one of the world's best no-code developer. The first thought that I have was like, or maybe he's here to try to sell me a freelance project. Now, and I said, why not we get on a call? I want to understand. Because I'm willing to pay for a freelance project for sure, but it depends on how much, right? It, it's a side project for me. And so I, 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 we had a good call the first time. Um, and immediately we, we clicked very well. I mean, James is a very amazing, nice person. Uh, you know, if anyone has a chance to meet him, he's on AD Please can book a call with him. He's an amazing person. Um, I, I called him the first time and, and he told me that he wanted to do this for free. And I was like, oh, you know, like one of the, you know, world best developer, uh, you know, wants to do this for free. And, and I thought, bro, uh, let's design this together and then let's build a website. Uh, I will design it with him, but obviously he built it, right? He's, he's a developer come, come, come designer, right? And so uh, we, I remember getting a call from Friday, Friday night we started designing. Uh, by the Sunday night or morning, we have our first MVP out on the, on the website. Uh, very, very straightforward, right? We put all the information from Excel sheet all the way import into the, the Webflow website through Zephyr and stuff like that. It was very, very fast for us. And then the design was really there. And so that was the first version of our website. So James and my, I literally met on the, met on, the uh, on LinkedIn, uh, but you know, we, we kept a very close and tight-knitted collaboration and partnership since then. Nice, nice. Wow, it's uh, really interesting um, to have a co-founder that I haven't met physically and really just, just click and go, right? Um, yeah. It's really interesting, um, and and let's talk about mentoring. And I know you you yourself is a mentor. I I, I did a session with you as well that was really insightful. Uh, can I ask what is the most memorable mentoring session you had? Yeah, I think there's a lot, but there's one that particularly stuck with me, and I continuously share the story. Now. Continuously share the story. So, um, so I met someone from Nepal. Um, obviously, like you know, he's from like he's from like a village, right? And so, so I, I met someone from from Nepal, and he didn't have much resources, you know, to to a lot of uh, 
uh, great mentors there because it's like you know it's not really really the place for that kind of thing, and um, and he actually called me and then we had a, we had a very good call and obviously the internet access was not that good but uh, you know kept hanging up and kept lagging um, but at the end of the day we figured it out um, but one thing that struck me was that throughout the conversation he was very sincere about learning he had his questions ready he had his you know things that he wanted to ask very ready now. This is usually very normal for some mentoring call, and obviously for him, I, I treat it as normal as well. Um, but what happens after that is something that really, uh, you know, start to stick with me. So, he actually told me about the circumstances of his village. He actually told me the circumstances of where he's at, you know, how they don't get access to all these things. Because I actually asked him, right, I usually like to ask my mentees as well, I said, how do you find out about ADP and stuff like that? So he shared me his story, right, and he said that they don't actually get access to such amazing mentors like yourself, you know, people around the world and whatnot. And and I said, okay, so like, like, how, how does this, you know, affect you and impact you? And he actually shared with me that, you know, like, whenever he goes on to such mentoring calls, he actually takes this knowledge and he shares it with his friends in that particular village, right? In that particular place that he's living. Now, in Singapore today, you know, like, I, I think, you know, it's always, we often talk about that kampong spirit, right? Like, you know, yeah. it's more like, 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 but, you know, these days we stay in like apartments, we stay in like, you know, like landed and stuff like that. It's very rare that we share these kind of things you know, he's like us. Whereas for when he stays, he still has that, which I think is, is a very rare thing like these days. And I think it's also a very, uh, it's a very precious thing. And so he actually shared that knowledge with the people around him, whether the kids or whether people want to learn. Um, and that was when I knew, this is the most impactful thing, that was when I knew that when a mentor actually mentors someone, you never know how far your knowledge actually can go. Mm-hmm. Right? Like when I mentor him, like I thought I was only mentoring him as a person. But that knowledge goes on in a ripple effect to the people around him. Right? And today, like you might have called someone from France and from Spain. Like you never know that this knowledge that you share will go on and impact his like the person that they work with or their 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 siblings, their friends and whatnot. And then your knowledge from Singapore is spread all the way to France and Spain. Right? Where my knowledge will be spread from a country like Singapore is super well developed to a not that developed country like like Nepal. And then he's spreading his knowledge to the people in his village. Like that is the impact of mentorship, right? That is what truly, you know, inspires me to do a lot more because of stories like that, right? Because I know that like my voice is not just a voice of 30 minutes call, but I think that 30 minutes goes a long way in wherever context they are and they are going to, you know, there's going to be a very big ripple effect, right? The more we share. So I think that's the, that's the biggest, like most inspiring story that, um, that I actually have, like personally. Thanks for sharing, Felix. Um, uh, I think it's, it's very interesting. Um, something that I'd like to share is like, you know, five, maybe 10 years ago, right? I'm thinking of finding a mentor. It's so hard to find a mentor. Even in Singapore physically, right? A local mentor is so, so hard to find because you can't even know where to look for one. Uh, and now we are talking about we can easily find a mentor in, in, out in Fra- uh, France or in Spain or, or Nepal to Singapore and, and stuff like that. It's really across borders. It's really um, a global uh, mentorship in a way, right? Uh, so that's something that really kind of uh, struck me uh, a lot. Yeah. Um, and it really inspires me. Um, and speaking of inspiration, uh, next question to you is, who inspires you the most in your life? Hmm. Well, I think there's a lot of people that inspire me. I mean, I, I would like to say my, my dad, but I think, you know, that has always been a, been a figure and I think everyone can read that from my medium. So I want to, share a little bit of maybe a Singapore context, right? Yep. So, uh, first of all, I think I, I just want to say, like, shout out to my dad. I think my dad has always been a, 
been an inspiration for me in terms of soft skills. I think hardworking men, very diligent. They taught me a lot about like being very honest. You know, I think uh, he he's always a very giving person to a certain extent that my mom is always like angry because he's too giving. Right? <laughs> I think there is a great trait to learn. But I think in Singapore wise, the person that inspired me a lot is actually uh, our founding father, uh, uh, Prime Minister Bikondi, right? The late Prime Minister Bikondi. Um, he, you know, I, I think one thing that I that I do often in Singapore um, is that every month I will try to go to Marina Bay Sands area, like the CBD area, and I actually try to take a walk alone there uh, every start of the month or every end of the month. Um, and the reason for that is because, you know, I'm able to picture Singapore 50 years ago as a very small fishing village, as a swamp, swamp land. And then I'm able to see to where it is today. Like I can visualize in my head, like the whole entire building transformation and whatever. And, and it inspires me, right, of how a country can be what it is today in just 56 years. Right? And, and for me, it's like, for me, it's like whenever I'm there, I know like, I know for sure, like, I think we can do better. I know for sure that there's much more ahead. And I know that what might seem like all hope is lost can be probably be built into one of the greatest cities and one of the greatest things in the world. Singapore is one of those things to do, right? And, and it gives me a lot of like inspiration, right? And obviously these are led by, uh, you know, like the founding prime minister and his team. But I really look up to him in terms of like his leadership style, you know, in terms of like, Obviously, like everyone has their pros and cons, right? You know, it's not not to get political, but everyone has their own like pros and cons. But I think I choose to look at the things that he has done rather than the things that he has not, right? The mistakes that he has made rather than the mistakes that he has not, right? I think mistakes made us who we are, and I think legends are not defined by their success, but defined by their ability to bounce back from failures, right? And and, and I saw that, and I saw that in the building of Singapore in many different ways. And so to me, like inspired me a lot through the through the founding of Singapore itself, the entire story. I just I just think that it really gives me a lot of hope, right? As a Singaporean, I think we can do something and we can really put a name on the global map for ourselves. Yep. Yep. Thanks for sharing. Um it's really interesting, right? I mean how, how Singapore has developed through the years. Uh like you say, from a fishing village and stuff, uh to what it is today. Um and, and definitely um our forefathers definitely inspires us a lot, right? Um uh, to where we are today, right? Uh, a hub of innovation, right? A hub of business, right? Um, uh, Felix, I, I know that you uh, also have a lot of mentors, a lot of um, founders, right? Uh, of bigger companies. What is the most insightful uh, advice? Because uh, there, there are a lot of listeners, um, you know, that are uh, PMs and also uh, founders of uh, very early startups. So what is the most insightful advice you could share? Wow, this is a big question. So um... you can quote from, uh, you know, uh, Follow us out there the most, that you that, that you know. The most insightful advice that I received was from someone when I think I was in a class and then there's a speaker that came in and, and then um, uh, he actually told the told the class this. He said you need to know one thing in life, uh, is that your best your best is never gonna be enough. If you want to be if you want to be like the best in the world your best will never be enough. You have to do whatever it takes. You, you have to stop saying, I will do my best. Mm. You have to start mm. saying, I will do whatever it takes. Because your best right now 
has a ceiling, right? The best always has a ceiling. But if you want to cross that ceiling, you have to do whatever it takes. And I always tell my team that, and I always tell myself that as well, every day. I said, look, I might not have done this before, so I'm not going to say I'm going to do my best or whatever, right? Or even if I've done it before. I'm going to say I'm going to do whatever it takes until we get there, until we get these results. Because we know that what, what got us here won't get us there. Mm. Right? And so that was the best piece of advice that I've ever gotten. And I continue to share that with my team and people around me is that recognize that your best will never be enough. This is not to downplay yourself. This is the hard truth, right? If you want to be the best out there, you want to be the top 1%, 0.1%, your best right now will never be enough. You cannot settle. You have to do whatever it takes. Right? Um, mm. And I think that's a one best piece of advice uh, personally that I can share with anyone. And I always look up to the grace of the group, right? Um, you know, like, think about it like the great um, Queen Brian, right? Or like Steve Jobs and stuff like that. Like, uh, David Beckham, right? You remember their last game, their last free kick, their last free throw, their last, you know, Einstein's last theory, Steve Jobs' last invention, yeah. right? These are people who, who did not just give their best. These are people that gave whatever it takes be Thanks for the inspiration, Felix. Uh, that is really inspiring. Um, well, to, to really talk about, um, it's not doing your best, but it's really doing what it takes. Uh, it's really full fledged hustling. <laughs> I can put it full fledged hustling, right? Um, we're kind of wrapping up the epi- uh, the episode uh, today. So, just a final few questions. Uh, could you share um, your view on what's next? Uh, what is the future for mentoring? Yeah, for sure. So, I want to share a, an incredibly grand vision and I think everyone should really think about this and maybe five years, ten years down the road they listen to this podcast might be a very different future. Uh, might be the future that we want to create towards. And one of the things that I've, I've been thinking a lot about is mentorship playing a role like internet played in the world um, uh, back in the 1990s. Right? And what I mean was that you know back then there's no, there's no internet and obviously you know uh, then there was the internet and people started to go on, online and and then some businesses started to go online as well. And as people go online, and now practically every single company is online, right? Um, and it made them better. Now, if you think about it, there's a few traits that is actually seen, we are seeing the same at ADPs and mentorship as well, is that the education system is very, very lagged behind in a lot of ways, right? Pragmatic ways, right? Like someone that is learning, um, you know, like marketing in business school, come out and become a designer, right? They spend $200,000 in, in, in school fees, and then they come out, Four years later, they come out and you know do something extremely different, right? That is a lack of access to to great information early on, and we don't just see that happening in in like rural areas or whatever. We see that happening in top tier countries like Singapore, even, right? It's not because like these students do not know what they want, right? It's because they have they, they don't have the early access to all this information, this social information enough, this social knowledge enough, right? And I almost always say like ADP is going to be like the people's internet of knowledge in the future, right? Like. Mentorship is going to be the internet for education, right? Mentorship, the reason why it is going to be is because it's open access, it's unbiased, right? Anyone can be a part of this, right? It's unbiased and it's open for everyone, right? Similar traits to the internet. And, and what mentorship is going to do with the education and, and career path system is that it's basically going to bring everyone together on this open network and so that everyone can get the information as early as they need and as early as they want and then grow together, right? And it's going to entirely change the way that we learn through education and through career, 
right? I imagine a world 10 years down the road, five years down the road, where, where you know, when ADP's is, infrastructure is much developed, right? We are not able to fulfill this vision alone. I don't think ADP's as one company can. But I think that if we are able to build that infrastructure, we are able to provide different, you know, like institutions and different companies to build their own mentorship, you know, on top of ADP's, right? Uh, you know, like, like, it's just like how you can build your own uh, website or your own apps on top of the internet, right? Mm. Education systems, you know, like institutions around the world, companies around the world will be able to build their own learning system, education system on top of ADPs. And there will be a very good flow of education knowledge and social knowledge shared on this open access network. And that is what I see where the world is going in terms of mentorship. Thank you, Felix. Thank you for sharing uh, your insights uh, and your vision of ADP List as well. Uh, it's really, really, really inspiring. Um, and that is the end of our episode and I really want to appreciate your time, uh, taking time off your busy schedule to be with us today um, and really striving the, the mission of really having, um, making meaningful conversations right between mentors and mentees and making mentorship accessible for all. Thank you, Felix, for your time. Thank you so much, Eric, for having me.